Hello Voices, my name is Joe Choi and I'm a multi-award-winning voiceover and host of a voiceover's audio adventure podcast. A bi-weekly show where I learn about the voiceover and audio industry and share with you all the stories, tips and tricks along the way. We all want to land that next big job and be heard by the masses as the next voice of, insert title here. But how do you get these roles? Today's adventure is about casting. Not all jobs are created equally. Some jobs will land in your inbox and make your life easy. But the higher paying or the more acclaimed roles seem to be like unicorns. These jobs are usually provided by agents or casting directors who will ask for auditions via mandy.com or job boards or directly to you. If you are lucky to get one of these castings, then it's time to show the world what you can do. But what is the right way to do this? And how do I beat our competition? Let's hear from some friends of mine. See what they do. Hello, my name is Catherine Moran and I'm an actor and voiceover artist as well as a writer and I also movement direct and choreograph on professional productions because why the heck not? The first thing I do when an audition brief lands in my inbox is go a little mini get in <laughs> because it's an acknowledgement that an opportunity of work has come to me, to you, and that's a little win in itself. So I do a little shimmy, and then once you got over that bit, I'll be checking next for the specifications as to whether this audition is right for me. And by that I mean specifying the gender of the voice that the client's looking for, the accent that they're looking for, the recording date? Do they want a live session tomorrow morning and I'm already booked up? And if so, I shouldn't waste their time now. All of those little details are worth clarifying before you've even got to the meat of the actual text because it pays to be thorough. And at this initial stage, I'm also wanting to check the budget and the usage that the client is looking for. It's always better to clarify that before you've sent an audition or at this very first stage so that complications and miscommunications don't come further down the line when your voice has been chosen, but you haven't realised what you've agreed to. Then it's time to get stuck into the text, which is the juicy bit. So ideally, you'll have received some information about who the client is and what this text is for. Even better, you might receive some direction. And even better than that, you might receive a demo video or maybe some chosen background music, which I personally find really helpful to help pitch the tone and the pace of the read. However, you don't always get those gorgeous supporting materials. And in that case, it's time to get a little bit Sherlock up on it. And by that, I mean researching. If there's a brand name in the text, looking them up and finding out who they are, what they do, and the kind of energy they put out in their marketing currently. 
if it's a pre-existing video game series, researching as much as you can to find out what is the world that they create. Another great question is who is the intended audience for this piece? Is it going to be an international audience that might require a more neutral accent? Or is the client a London-based university and they really want to resonate with their local students? All these little clues will help you to deliver the most informed and your best read for the audition. Some do's and don'ts for auditions would include things like clarifying pronunciations. Do, do that. If there's a brand name uh, that the client needs to clarify, pop an email back and check. Or if there's a long medical term, the internet has wondrous uh, spoken dictionary pronunciation videos that I have shamelessly referred to on many occasions Once you're happy with all the text itself, if it's a really short audition, if we're talking a commercial read that's maybe 10 to 15 seconds, I would offer three reads and make sure they are really different from each other. When it's such a short audition text, I think there is space to show some variety in the audition, but it's something that the client might actually have already clarified within the audition brief as to whether they want multiple takes or maybe only want one take, as well as how they want those takes labelled or uploaded to a certain portal. Just pay attention to all those details because it shows that you're efficient and can take direction. Auditions can be a real thief of time and a pitfall for perfectionists. So I would say do take care over them, but don't spend too much time don't pull your hair out trying to get that perfect read because there's only so much we have control over and there's only so much time you need to take over an audition. So maybe set a timer if you're like me and want to keep retaking and bettering and being really hard on yourself. Hi, my name's Jack Ayres. I'm an actor and voice actor predominantly in video games and character work. What's the first thing you do when you receive a brief and what do you look for? So I'm going to answer this question primarily sort of from an angle of characters for video games and animation because that's kind of my main area of interest. Um, So the first thing that I would do when I received a brief would be to look for two things, facts and clues. So usually when you receive a brief for a character, usually you'll get sort of like a a table of facts, shall we say. So those being the name of the character, the hopefully the age of the character, a stated accent or a few accents that they're potentially looking at, um, some personality traits, and in an ideal world, also a picture is very useful as well. Um, and all of those things you can use to start building a picture of what this person sounds like. So um, any physical features, whether they're hunched over in the picture, whether they um, are wearing heavy armor, whether they've got some kind of injury, all of those are things that can be used to start building a vocal profile for that character. Um, The other thing is clues. Um, So these are things that are less obviously stated in your brief. So, for example, you might have a script. And a lot of the time you can get pretty useful information about how the character might sound or how might behave from the script. 
So for example, I'll use a quote from The Last of Us. You're not my daughter and I'm sure as hell not your dad. So without explicitly saying it, you can use those lines to glean what might be happening in the wider context of the scene that you're auditioning for. So for example, you're not my daughter. You can figure out from that that potentially whoever they're talking to might be missing a parental figure and also that the character that's speaking that you're auditioning for Maybe they've lost a daughter. Maybe there was some kind of traumatic experience there. And you can use that to build on that person's personality. If you don't know exactly what's going on, just decide for yourself. Because if you're clear on what you think the situation is, then I think that really does come across in the way that you'll read a character rather than just kind of leaving it ambiguous in your own mind. Because when you do that, you can sometimes risk your work coming across as ambiguous as well. Things you should or shouldn't do. First and foremost, it probably sounds quite uh, obvious, but always follow instructions. Uh, A lot of the time, castings will give you specific instructions that they want you to follow. These are generally things that just make whoever's going through all the files' lives way easier later on. So name your file the correct way. Don't just uh, make up your own file naming system because you will not be popular. And if they ask you to only give one take, for example, then make sure you listen to that too. However, something that I found has worked well for me, if no guidance is given, on that kind of stuff, then I like to give options. I like to generally give two different reads of a script. But if you are going to do that, make sure that your reads are different. Again, going back to choices, that you've made specific decisions on the two different offerings that you're going to give. Because if you just do two of the kind of exact same thing, then you risk almost working against yourself by making it look like that you can only do one thing, that you're a one-trick pony. Another thing that you probably shouldn't do is don't audition for absolutely everything. So what I mean by this is sometimes there'll be multiple roles that you can audition for in a project. Don't audition for all of them just because the option's there. I say this because if you submit five different auditions and three of them are a bit meh and two of them are really good again it could almost sort of work against you because it shows you got a lack of awareness of what your strengths are maybe and they're going to be remembering the not so good thing that you sent in that they had to listen through as well as the good stuff so not saying you have to be really limited but anything that you do submit make sure that it is to the best of your ability Thank you, Catherine and Jack, for some amazing insights to how you deal with auditions. Now we've heard from the actors, it's time to speak with a casting director, and that person is David Peacock. David has been voice directing for almost 20 years. He has worked all over the world on titles such as Thunderbirds Ago, Hilda, and Moomin Valley, to name a few. In 2021, he was nominated for an Emmy for his voice direction on Hilda, And in 2022, he won an Emmy, a supervising dialogue editor on Octonauts Ring of Fire. So he has a vast array of knowledge to share with me today, and I can't wait. Let's go.
Hi, I'm Dave Peacock, and I'm a voice director and casting director, working mostly in animations, but also in some live-action dubbing, as well as animated dubbing and some commercials and things like that. And I've been doing this quite a long time. <laughs> I can't really work out the years. It's quite <laughs> a lot of years. And yeah. we've uh, probably done about a 1,000 episodes across about 30 series and dozen features and things like that wow okay so how did you become a casting director it was quite organic i was a uh sound engineer working in post-production so i was working with a lot of animation directors and stuff like that and they would say to me oh who would you think would be good for this role and I'd recommend people and then I'd say, oh, can you arrange to get some people in for the casting? So I arranged that and then realised I was given quite a lot of advice and quite a lot of knowledge free. And then I said, can I charge for this? They went, yeah, yeah, cool. So it's like, oh, okay, that's a job then. That's good. So right now, do you work for yourself or do you work for studios? Like in terms of, you know, you said you got your opportunity how did it progress from there to get more work with other people? I went freelance and left the studio that I was working at in 2012 with my partner, who's also a sound engineer and a great casting director. Okay. And she does lots of editing. I go out and do lots of voice direction. We come home and we edit the stuff together and deliver it. So probably about how long ago was that? That was about 11, 12 years ago. And since then, just word of mouth and networking has brought in lots and lots of great series that we work on, which is good. And if you're working on a project and you're looking for a voice, for example, what does the process look like in terms of you have the the character or what you're looking for, I, I would hope? And then do you reach out to agencies or do you... You know, what What determines whether you look for agencies versus going to someone direct? The process can work in a lot of different ways because sometimes we're brought in just to maybe cast a single character or maybe recast a single character that there's been problems with. We sort of get quite a lot of problem-solving jobs when... Somebody's like had a go and it's not working, or somebody started something and it's not working, or there's one character that nobody can cast, and then we get that call. Also, we also get the the whole here's our series, please cast it and record it and deliver <laughs> it back to us jobs as yeah. well. The yeah. best way of working is when there's lots and lots of dialogue with the clients and with the decision makers. So you get inside the brains of everyone that's making those choices so you're not just going into something blind or just with you know a sheet of paper with somebody's ideas on it there's one there was one job that we did very early on which we cast from gut and just basically mm -hmm got a bunch of people in that we thought would be good and did a test read of some scripts which they sent us and then sent it back to them and said okay are we on the right track and they went no you're totally not on the right track because this is not what we want at all we want it you know hyper hyper real and really really serious this was for a preschool show and we're like yeah. okay 
we will do another casting and we'll do it that way. So we did the same the same thing again, but with a different direction. And then we sent it off to them and they went, no, no, it's wrong, isn't it? We like what you did the first <laughs> time. So continue down yeah. that route. So sometimes, you know, your, your, your gut feeling, which might not be the same as the client's gut feeling, you know, you've got to listen to that as well. So as regards to actually answering your question of, of how we do stuff <laughs> is yeah. we, we look everywhere. We look absolutely everywhere. Um, obviously, we go to agents. Uh, we use Spotlight ever such a lot because sometimes the you're looking for a, a character type. And all, although you're obviously looking for versatile actors that can play lots of different character types, if that character type is embedded in the person, it you just feel it and you know that it just comes out of them. And you believe it a lot more. You know, if you're if you're asking somebody to play something which they have no life knowledge of that thing, and there's you know it's a bigger job to get them there. If they've got if they are that person that they're playing, albeit in you know an animal form, an alien form, or whatever character yeah. form, they'll get there easier and it'll be more believable. And then you can start to push them around and make it really really fun, really funny. Mm. So. We look, we look everywhere because as yeah. our job as casting directors, the best compliment we can we can get is when somebody goes, "Wow, how did you find that person?" Because they'd never heard of that person, they they wouldn't have been able to find that person, and the other casting directors they went to didn't find that person. So, don't think that you need an agent to be cast. We've cast people that haven't yeah. got agents, but we do need to be able to find those people. There's no good sitting at home going like, "I'm brilliant, I'll be found," because you won't be because. I'm yeah. not in your home. <laughs> Luckily. If, if if you send out a casting call, is is it time sensitive? Like for example, say you've got something you said it's gonna be closing at the end of the week. If I sent you something tomorrow, would you listen to it or would you wait till the end of the week? No, you'd always you'd always get ahead of the game because yeah. you do not want to be listening to 50, 60, 70 things all in one mm. lump. You've got to yeah. be just feel, you know, just doing it as a process. Otherwise, you just get too tired. So, like, agents and people that wait to like the last moment or go, like, oh, can we just have an extra day? It's just like, actually, <laughs> you may not be able to have an extra day because I've probably given you till end of play Thursday so I can have everything to my clients by the time I said I would, which could have been end of play Friday. And I need to then basically make sure everything's labeled correctly and, you know, everyone gets a fair crack of the whip. So it's very important that you deliver on time um, and delivering early is even better. You know, nobody's going to think, oh, they don't care. They did it in t- ten, 10 minutes. They may have had that 10, 20 minutes, two hours free, and they could give give that time to that rather than be rushing. You know, some sometimes we've, We've ended up casting, especially kids, if they're rushing around in their day. There's, there's one casting that was obviously recorded on on a phone as they were going to school in the car. But it was a great read. We saw them, you know. So, it, you know, you don't have to have big... That's interesting, actually, because there, there's been times when I've obviously not been behind a microphone and an audition comes through. And I have the same mentality of... I need to send it now because that's just the kind of person I am. Is it okay to send it via a phone? Obviously, you don't want to because it doesn't show your voice as best as it can be. But 
how how do you feel about people sending stuff through phones if you know the the opportunity arises it's absolutely fine as long as it's labeled if it's just called audio one that's really annoying because <laughs> yeah I can't find out who it is. So as long as it's labelled correctly, um, I don't care if it's a phone recording. Because I don't want to exclude somebody that hasn't got a big, you know, home setup or any home setup at all. You know, it's very important that everyone should have the equal opportunity to be casting something regardless of the the equipment that they can or cannot afford and the location they find themselves in. What don't you want to hear in an audition? I was going to say lies. Um, <laughs> um, somebody, <laughs> somebody who's sort of pretending to be something they're not and either, you know, it could be, a character like if if I if I put out an audition for a something that sounds in their late teens, early twenties, and I get a read back from somebody who is obviously in their in their fifties mm-hmm. and their voice sounds like it. It's just like, come on, there's there's a great parts <laughs> for you. you know, yeah. So that you know is almost a waste of their time you know, putting them forward themselves forward for everything. It's just like choose the roles that you that, that resonate with you because they're 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 gonna they're the ones that that's yeah you know the casting director is gonna believe in is gonna believe you and it's that truth and you know honesty that's always gonna come through in the performance. Always. And I'd rather, you know, have have a choice, a strong a strong choice of the character and the read and what what have you. Than than something which is just generally bland and won't make anybody unhappy. Um, so I want a strong choice. That I want to be. I want to feel something. So don't be bland. I think don't don't be bland. Don't lie, um, and also label your files correctly, <laughs> just so um, we can find yes. you. The casting directors. We're always just looking around um, and mentally just sort of banking people that you sort of you're always poking around uh websites if somebody sends through a link you know i'll have a listen and it's just like yeah that'll be good for a character like this and then the you know it's the the fright of losing losing that and going like oh my god there was somebody that i thought i heard five years ago that that will be brilliant for this so you go building and some and sometimes it can be you know, when I was doing that first pass on that character, I found that brilliant person and now I can't find them again. That sort of thing. So mm. we have to make notes. So anything that's sent through it has to be labelled correctly so we can find yeah. it. Yeah. Talking about voices, like what are you looking for now in voices? Because you must have heard thousands of voices and a lot of them do sound the same. <laughs> and given, you know, a lot of jobs are going to be similar yeah. for the most part. But what makes you think, oh? I might need that voice in the future or that voice is different. You know, what are you looking for these days? It it varies job to job and it depends what the broadcaster is looking for. And sometimes what the broadcaster and the production company, well, two very different things, what the production company is looking for and what the broadcaster is looking for might be very different things. The And what the production company mm. starts to look for and end up wanting can be very, very different things. So, 
you know, you're always looking for versatility and you're always looking for truth in the performance. Generally, the um, the sort of three C's I'm always looking for is character, strong character, comedy, and consistency. Um, not being able to replicate a, a performance, be it in a voice or being a character, becomes a problem. Um, there's some some actors that might just produce something which is brilliant, and then they can't quite do it again. And that tend they as I say some actors that they that will normally be un people that haven't been trained in acting because it's interesting. You hear when you work with some people that are just very used to lots of screen acting in particular because they're used to hitting marks and doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's really interesting. You give them a note and they address that note, and everything else will stay exactly the same because that's what you've asked to change. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. sometimes you find with less experienced actors, you give a note and they'll change that, but a lot of other stuff will change as well, um, which means that you can't, yeah. you know, cut between and stuff like that. So it depends upon the job. It really depends upon the job. Versatility yeah. is always good, and those and those three three C's is always good. And when mm. when you meet the person, because my you know my aim is never to cast without meeting someone because you're working with them for you know quite an extended period of time especially on an animation it'll be nine to 12 to 18 months and if it goes multiple series it can be years absolutely years you've got to like the person as well and they've got to be and they've got to be a team player you you know they've got to work as an ensemble especially in animation you've got to sort of you know, gel with the other people. So you've got to be nice. <laughs> nice people get more work. They really do. Yeah. In every, actually, that's everything, isn't it? So we've got auditions in person. How do they differ to recorded auditions? No, what happens normally nowadays is that the first process is the self-tape and that self-tape gets you in the room. Um, not always. Sometimes it's just a straight audition in person and you do the troll and you find the people and you get them in. They, the audition in person, I much prefer, and I think that's the proper way to audition. Um, and it just becomes a collaborative process. You're working with the actor to produce something, which is, yeah. you know, what every actor presumably wants. They don't want to be just in their in their box, home alone, giving out lines. Um, a, a good a good example yeah. is that I brought in an actor to read for a part for a series. Um, he read the part great, and we thought, hold on, he could be good for this other role as well. We we're really short of time. Gave him the size. Said, take a couple of minutes to read those, and we'll talk to you about the character as you're reading them. So he's just taking in all of this information. And his first read yeah. is just like, yes, yeah, brilliant. You know, you're, for a first read, you've nailed that so much. And he got the role, which was nice for him, um, and did a you know, great job on it. So if, he, if we were just doing it on submissions, that opportunity probably wouldn't have, have arisen because there wouldn't have been that immediacy of like, oh, Wouldn't hey, try happen, this. Yeah. Um, just because you're you're bouncing stuff around, and also there's when you when you're in, when you're in when you're doing it 
just directing yourself. You're just trying to second guess all of these people. And that's all I'm trying to do as well. I'm just trying to second guess all of the people that may or may not be in the room. So they go, oh, yeah, that's what I hadn't thought of, but really, really want. And if you're in the room with more people doing that, you can read. You can read what's going on. And also, as the thing progresses, as the casting day progresses, we're finding out how the show is going to sound. And we're sort of putting the casting together in our heads immediately of of going like, that person could be good for that. That means that that character needs to be like this. Okay, they're excellent, but that makes the character older. That doesn't matter because we'll just make that character older and, and make them deal with that or younger or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, immediately you're, somebody will come in and give a read and go, okay, I love, you know, you could say, I love your read, but that character is crossing over with another character. So if I can change you like this, then that will fit in with that character. So which is why it's all, all of that stuff you can't do if it's just remote. In person, you get more opportunities from both sides. Yeah, so in, in theory, a good casting director is working with you and not against you. Always. Because you're getting the best for the actor to see if they can fill a space. You might not even knew existed before, and also it makes your life easier yeah. because it's kind of unlocking doors at the same time, you know. That totally, kind of totally and utterly. Yes. Mm. No, no, it's like you're always working with the actor. And for you know, the casting director, voice director, the you know, the best the best thing at the end of a casting day is that the client turns around to you and just goes, oh, I'm really, really confused. I've got so many, so many choices for so many characters, I don't know who to cast. That's the best thing. It's like brilliant, but you know, it's, it's, you know <laughs> yeah. the the worst thing is if they go like, okay, well, we might have one voice now, so let's let's carry on trying. And sometimes that does happen, yeah. especially if you cast a really really difficult character, and you just carry on trying. So you know, knowing that the actors the actors are leaving having had a good time you've also laughed a lot because you enjoy working with the actors the clients enjoyed the whole the whole experience because it's been it's been a nice collaborative experience which is what you know making stuff generally is especially in you know in tv rarely you're sitting on your own making stuff do do actors resumes count for anything they do sometimes they do sometimes in US casting, they like to see what you've done more so than UK casting. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, so they do. They do sometimes. The US tends, tends to sort of put a little bit more emphasis on well, what have they done? Which can be important, cannot be important. It's with with children. It's quite interesting because acting's hard, you know. And if you're if you're in a booth, obviously, if you're a child in a booth, you won't be a session won't be longer than three hours, really. But that's a lot of concentration. So knowing that they've done, say, stage work and stuff like that means that they can consistently work at that job and be fine working at that job. Whereas if they might not have done anything before, <clears throat> they might, <clears throat> pardon me, they might actually just get a bit bored and not to be suitable for the role after a couple of episodes. Um, for for adults, sometimes broadcasters, it's useful for them to know what they've done. Um, and sometimes they like to know 
for publicity purposes and things like that. So it can be important to some people and not to others. I don't really care as long as you can act and you're funny. That's all I care about. And you're nice. And the last question I have today, you kind of answered this throughout the, the chat, but do you keep a voice list? And I think you said you do, but how do you feel about people contacting you directly, sending you demos, etc.? I sort of do keep a voice list. It's because we're generally quite busy. It's not immensely organised. I, I use sort of, uh, as a cast director, the, the the subscription I pay for for Spotlight allows me to sort of make lists and sort of categorise yeah. things quite easily. So I use, the, I use that if the person is on Spotlight. So I use that as a sort of reminder tool. And I also make sure that all the information is up to date as well, which is quite useful. It is fine for people to email me directly. People will email me directly all the time. It sometimes takes me a while to get back to people, like, you know, yeah. a year. But I do listen to everything mm. that somebody sends through just so I can actually reply rather than just going like, thank you, I will listen. So it's always, thank you, I have listened. <laughs> and yeah. if anything suitable comes in, I will get in touch. But it's only if anything suitable comes in. So somebody can say, oh, but I've emailed you four times and you haven't called me in for a casting. It's like, well, there might not have been a role suitable. And also because... You know, we, we're we tending to cast a show, record a show, cast a show, record a show. Obviously, everything overlapping multiple times. So we may do six castings a year. We might do 10. You know, sometimes they might be really, really focused. That are, We're looking for a particular ethnicity. We're looking for a particular accent. So if you've yeah. emailed and you're not, you know, you don't fit into one of those categories, you know, I'm not going to get you in because there's no point. Sometimes we have exactly. jobs where we can more or less have carte blanche about who we cast. Particularly, uh, sometimes Waller groups are useful that I just say, okay, I'm just going to get six people in mm -hmm. that, you know, I think will be good. And then that's also a chance for me to get to know some people as yeah. well that I normally sort of mix up people that I know will have good experience within doing that sort of work and people that will have less experience. But that's a, you know, a very useful, another useful thing of work to, to do. Well, David, that's the end of my okay. questions today. Thank you for getting this done. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm very pleased to get it done. <laughs> I look forward to seeing what you put out in the future. <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to it as well. <laughs> we'll see, see what comes in. There's a few, th few <laughs> things that we're in discussions about, so hopefully some of those will come up. Now, what did I take away from today's conversation? Research the brief. Do as much as you can on the character at hand and what is being asked of you. It's very easy to overlook a small detail, but that detail could be the difference between landing the role and not. Make sure you are labeling your auditions correctly. This is important, not only for the role you are going for, but also in the future, if the casting director wants to find an old audition to cast you for a potential future role. Don't audition for something that isn't you. If you're a 25 year old man and you're auditioning for a 10 year old kid, stop. <laughs> Authenticity and representation are always priority to casting directors and they're always looking for specific casting for the majority of the time. 
And finally, be quick. The sooner you get your auditions in, the better chance you have of being seen. It's a first come first serve game. So give yourself the best chance of landing the role before the deadline. Thank you, Jack, Catherine, and of course, the amazing David for joining me today and making this adventure possible. As always, I will include everyone's info in the show notes below. I'm about to go, but before I do, always make sure you're following the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and until next adventure, bye-bye.